home of the 76ers. Oh, yeah! A white hat jam! WENJ, WENJ HD Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. I driving you home on this uh, Tuesday, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Call Jenkins and heating, air conditioning, or heating and air conditioning installation service and maintenance, plumbing, drain cleaning service, 609-641-6440 or JenkinsPlumbingHeating.com. Mike Gale, Hunter Brody. Now, Jay Blevins is going to join us again today to recap last night's game because I don't, I mean, I can't get excited about what I saw last night. I Even with the win and Shake Milton hit the shot, yeah, that's a positive. Too many negatives, though, to make me feel like something good's going to happen. I felt better after watching the damn scrimmage games, dude. I would have to agree with you. Yeah, they looked great. They looked great in those exhibition games. Well, for the first half of them. Yeah, right, right. When they right. played their starters, and then in the first half, you know, they looked like a fluid, congruent group. What happened to that? a great question, Gil. Jason Blevins, 97.3ESPN.com, at NBA. He joins us now with a closer look at some of the questions that have emerged in these two games and what we saw last night. And, Jay, obvious, do you agree that they looked more coherent in the scrimmage games than they have these first two seeding games? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that um, just the, the level of competition does go um, – go up pretty significantly when it matters. And um, and then there's a, just a, a matchup thing. I think Indiana is always a tough matchup for them. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. And then you've got a DeMar DeRozan who loves to score in exactly the spot where the Sixers are willing to let you try to score from, which is that soft middle 16 to 18-foot um, range in the range and uh when you got a guy that's really comfortable in there and can do it efficiently um they're gonna put up points against this team because it's just not how they're designed yeah the uh and brett said it last night your defense in the fourth quarter it stinks and you know obviously they're playing against two teams who are not offensive juggernauts there but was that the 130 127 is that the biggest uh concern um getting into these playoffs that you've seen so far is there something else well, I I think the number one concern is you know why are teams scoring scoring forty plus in, in fourth quarters against you? Um, that should concern absolutely everyone. It should concern everyone on that team. It should concern fans because to me, what that says is that the the other teams are are spending those first few quarters sort of figuring out what the Sixers are trying to do, and then they're getting very comfortable at the end of the game, and that's just. They're just getting way too comfortable, and and confidence and comfort is the whole thing when it comes to basketball. Um, so you you just can't let you can't let people get comfortable. Otherwise, they will earn their millions of dollars uh, on the reputation of putting up big numbers against you. <laughs> What is wrong with Ben Simmons right now? I mean, he, he offensively yesterday was a poor performance. At halftime, he was 2 of 4 from the field. He fouled out of the game. Defensively, he's all over the place, and he was all over the place against TJ Warren as well on that uh, in, in that Indiana Pacers game. So what is happening with Ben? We all know that this team can't go anywhere if he's not going to be able to be the Ben Simmons we need him to be. 
Yeah, I wish I had the answer to that question. I don't, we have gotten zero indication that his back is bothering him again. Um, you know, early foul trouble is going to make a, a good defender um, into a mediocre defender. It's just one of those things that will happen. Um, and I don't have the answer. I wish I did. We, we have not gotten anything to indicate that that he's not feeling 100% physically. So um, I think the next game we really need to watch and see, you know, where's his head at? Um, is, he, is he in the game? Uh, is he confident? Is he aggressive? I mean, everybody says, you know, aggressive Ben is the, is the good Ben, and passive Ben um, really, really does not help as much. So, um, so I think we're going to have to see over the next couple of games. If, it, if this continues two more games, I think everybody should be concerned. All right, Jay Blevins with us here. Jason Blevins covers the Sixers. Um, a lot of people wondering, why so much Neto? And Burks. I know we talked about it yesterday a little bit, but we saw it more last night again where Neto was getting, you know, fourth quarter minutes. Uh, what is the hypothesis behind why Neto is getting some more minutes than a guy like Burks who can score? And obviously, they didn't, you know, scoring last night, the Sixers put out, what, 132? So scoring, not a big issue for them. So why more Neto than Burks? Yeah, actually, last night I saw the, the raging Twitter debate about this. And it really does bother people um, to see Neto on the floor and Burks on the bench. So I actually spent this morning writing about this exact topic, which is kind of silly, but um, but I, I saw that people really really fundamentally um, don't don't like this. So uh, I wrote on the painted lines um, dot com this morning for about four hours, going into really a breakdown of the eye test. Versus the versus the numbers, and it really comes down to the fact that when the and I think I mentioned this yesterday, when the Sixers believe in the game plan that they have going into the game, uh, they trust uh, Neto to execute that game plan. When they feel like nothing is working and they need to get a shot in the arm, and they are willing to uh, put the ball in someone's hands, let them freelance a bit, and um, try to be a spark plug, that's when you'll see Alec Burke. So it's a good indicator of how confident they are in what they expected to see in the game, um, whether they're seeing what they expected or not. Uh, but I went into a couple of numbers because I think that the um, the popular opinion is that um, Alec Burks is a better offensive player, and that really doesn't bear itself out in the numbers. Now, he is a better volume sc- scorer. He does score more, uh, more uh, per 100 possessions, but his, uh, his offensive rating is, is basically equal to uh, Neto, which means his team uh, essentially scores the same amount uh, while he's in the game as Neto's does. They're, they're 105-104, both below average, below NBA average uh, as net offensive players. And uh, and Burks, despite having a six foot ten wingspan and being a just much better, a bigger player, uh, actually has a worse career defensive rating. So he's a worse net rating, uh, net rated player for his career than Neto. And here's the here's the interesting one for me, which is from an efficiency standpoint, his effective field goal percentage, even though he gets to the free throw line more often. Is uh, is significantly below NBA average. So 
while he's the kind of guy that looks like he's a gifted scorer because he takes sort of those those pull-up um, mid-range jumpers, he, he looks and feels like the kind of player that we've all played against in gyms that have torched us. Uh, he's a he's an uh, effective field goal uh, percentage of 48%, and league average is 52 And Neto is actually 53%, so just a hair over over league average uh, as a as a scorer uh, from an efficiency standpoint. So a couple of those things really undermine the um, the reputation and the eye test that Burks is the better player. He may be the better one on one offensive player, but he for his career he takes and needs five more shots per game than Neto does, um, and he's less efficient at it. He's got a worse field goal percentage. His field goal percentage for his career is 42%. That's just, it's just not very good. So when you look at those things, and then when you think about it in the context of uh, we're talking about who our uh, second-slash-third-string point guard should be, Burks has an assist-to-turnover ratio of his career, uh, for his career of 1.4 to 1, which is really well below the 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 that you'd need to see uh, from from a point guard uh, to call him a competent point guard. So when you look at this, uh, for me, when I look through all of this, I see a guy who can operate as a combo guard if you have another point guard on the floor with him. But if we're talking about who is the better point guard of the two, it's pretty clearly uh, Howell Neto, who does have basically a two-to-one assist-turnover ratio. So I, I know I know when you're watching – Burks looks better doing it, but none of the real numbers, and these aren't even advanced numbers, these are pretty much high school type statistics, uh, would um, would bear out the fact that he's a better net player in a team sport. So the argument that I'll make there is, I do agree with you completely when it comes to Neto and Burks, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday with you as well. You know, Burks has a role, bench, high volume guy, go get a bucket kind of attitude. That's not really what... The, the Neto playing style is, but could you argue that maybe that's what Shake Milton can be? Because there was a lineup, and I want to get your thought on this. There was a lineup in the fourth quarter of Neto, Furkan, Matisse Thibel, Tobias, and Al Horford, and I just think, you know, in the fourth quarter, should Neto and Furkan be out there as your one and two? Isn't that a spot where maybe you can utilize Shake Milton, and when we talk about the postseason, maybe Milton can play that role instead of Neto. Maybe Ben Simmons' foul trouble played a role, though, as well. Yeah, I think I think that was a, a huge wrench in in the whole works because I think they they view Plan A as uh, Shake being the starting point guard and Ben Simmons being the backup point guard. So when you put when you put um, Shake into really a sort of how much can you trust him based on the previous game situation, and then you take Ben essentially out of the rotation. Now you start to get into some weird spots as far as who's on the floor together. And I agree with you. I think Furkan is is underrated in his decision-making ability on the floor. You know, he's a a pretty experienced international pro, even though he's very young. Um, But he he doesn't have a great handle. He doesn't have a great burst. Um, So that was a problematic... Uh, lineup for a fourth quarter, and if you see that in the playoffs, 
then something really bad has happened. And, and, uh, All right. But, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. So a lot of other things, you know, went on in this game last night that uh, kind of stick out. The fact that, you know, 43 points in the fourth quarter, the defensive side of the ball, but then Shake Milton, you know, he has the big three-pointer there with six seconds to go. Which one should – if uh, should you be more frustrated by giving up 130 and 127 in the way the defense is playing, or should you be feeling more positive that, you know, you had a guy like Milton bounce back and that, you know, they're getting more growth together because um, it seems that Brett is still not uh, comfortable with his rotations and stuff. So are you taking more positive from last night's win, or are you still kind of concerned even after a win? Uh, I think the positives are really Joel Aviv's decisiveness out of the post. That's the big positive. Um, but I wouldn't – I've seen Shake play too many times. He can make that shot. Um you know, if you look forward to a playoff matchup, if you, if you play Indiana with their really ultra-aggressive uh, guards or you play the Boston Celtics with, like, a Marcus Smart, it's pretty easy to see how those kind of guards would frustrate, shake, and take him out of your out of your game plan. So those are those are concerns. He's got, he's got six games to work through those. Um, so much can be helped, though, by by Joel being really quick, uh, quickly decisive, both getting the ball and immediately attacking um, from the post or um, getting that double team to come at him and find the open man. That, that can solve like a ton of problems because then Shake becomes really valuable to you as a, as a catch-and-shoot guy and an and attack-closeout guy. But if you're, if you're going to play the game where Shake's got the ball um, and he's trying to initiate something, and you're going against Marcus Smart or T.J. McConnell or Victor Oladipo, you know, there, there should be real concerns there. It's, it's pretty obvious that, you know, when Ben Simmons on the offensive side is getting the ball by the elbow, they're running the offense through him at the elbow. And at this point, I really haven't seen that much that I love out of him at that spot. I know that it's in there and, and, and he has the ability to maybe attack the basket from there, but you see some things where it's like, Ben, come on, in that spot you can totally utilize your skill set in a different way. So from what you have seen in the Indiana game and the game against the Spurs with Ben Simmons at the elbow, what are you not satisfied with from, from his work there? Uh, I'm not satisfied with any of that stuff. Like, uh, does he have the touch around the rim to really, if he's not dunking on you, really do something that is going to make you all that happy operating in that space? Uh, it's just not a, it's not a situation where I would. He's got to be moving vertically and downhill. I don't love the the whole elbow thing. You know, I just, I think it's the the place on the floor the other team is most comfortable having a guy like him, especially a non-touch guy, um, taking shots from, it's just a bad spot unless you're unless you're a really gifted scorer and he's just not a gifted scorer. He's a fantastic player on both ends, but <laughs> whoever whoever decides that he should be working at the, operating out of the elbow, I I'd like to be walked through that logic. <laughs> uh talking about, you know, how 
Uh, I think it was you that asked Joel last night about the way teams are defending him. I thought he really gave a thoughtful answer and recognized, um, you know, what is going on with him because I thought he passed the ball a little bit better out of the post last night. Uh, Tobias talked about it. But what what does uh, Joel kind of see about – because he's had two really good games. Um, so what does he see about the way teams are defending him? So here's, here's a little um, tidbit about that. I appreciate that. Um, but I was really trying to talk about defensively, uh, the way that teams approach him, because he's a drop, pick, and roll. We talked about it yesterday. Drop coverage guy, and they do leave that soft underbelly. And um, that was that was honestly the question I was trying to get. Now, Joel is more comfortable talking about the ball in his hands on the offensive end. And he did have some good insight around – how teams blitz him and double him in different ways. Um, I do think last night, it, was just, it wasn't just the passing. It was like, as soon as he had the ball, he did a little shoulder wiggle. I don't know if you guys saw a little dream shake and then immediately did a, um, went into his, uh, into his game. He didn't do the pound, pound, back to the basket, pound, pound, um, figure it out uh, thing. He grabbed the ball, wiggled, made one dribble and attacked the basket or passed out. And that's what you want to see. Um, the interesting thing was when he talked about Toronto, not even letting him catch the ball, immediately doubling while the ball was in the air, the entry pass. That was really interesting. I like that answer. Uh, but I <laughs> but I really want to hear from him, and I'll, I'll ask it next time, is on the defensive side, when you see a team just absolutely torching you uh, because you're in drop pick-and-roll coverage, um, how hard is it to not hedge, how, uh, to not challenge, and to just trust that your back line will, will have your back um, if you have to go out and challenge a shooter at 15 feet? Because we know he can defend out there, but something just tells me that he's either being told to uh, drop to the rim or he's not comfortable letting anyone get behind him. So that's the next question I plan on asking. Uh, so I felt like I got half a half an answer, and it was a good half. <laughs> it was but, interesting. Um, he, he, I, he gave a thoughtful answer to it. Uh, do it you, was. Do you it, think? I think it was. Uh, to be honest, though, I, I'm not going to let him off the hook because I I think he knew where I was going, and he wanted to talk about offense, and he kept talking until we basically ran clock. So gotcha. Uh, <laughs> now, do you think that Brett is? Still testing um, rotations, hasn't quite figured out what he wants to do there yet. Yeah, I think he's he's trying to figure out um, how other teams view his players and how other teams will test his players. I think he's got a plan A, and he wants to. He's he's in the evaluation process of seeing how viable is plan A, and does he have to come up with plan B and C? So, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think. Uh, for the most part, I think he knows what he's got. I think Glenn Robinson needs to get back in this lineup because he does a thing that they really do need. Hmm. Um, so I think he's more important than we would have thought five months ago. But you took James Sanders out of the off of the team and you basically replaced that role with uh, Glenn Robinson, and now you don't have either of them. And that corner three, um, rangy defender guy. Um, I think is an important thing for them to have in the, in the arsenal. 
All right, Sixers back in action tomorrow, 4 o'clock on 97.3 ESPN. They take on the Washington Wizards. We have it for you here. And, of course, we'll have more on them as they get ready for the playoffs, which begin uh, right after the 14th is the final Sixer game, and uh, that's when the playoffs will start. Right now they would play Boston if the playoffs were to start today. Jason Blevins covers the Sixers at J. Blevins NBA. You can read more at 97.3 ESPN. Dot com. Jay Blevins, take care, man. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, man. And uh, all right, so there's a lot there. I mean, he really went in depth on the Neto piece. I read it this morning, and uh, it was kind of interesting. He's basically saying the eye test tells you Burks is the better player. The numbers just don't back that up. Do you go eye test or numbers? Well, uh, there are two different players, though. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. What role are you trying to fill? Well, That's, there's what matters. I'll say to back him on this one for a little bit. They don't need Burks to score. They don't need him scoring. They scored 132 points last night. I need another guy to go out there and score? I think at times off the bench you might, depending on what the lineup is. Because if it's a Matisse, Thibel, and, and other guys out there that, you know, Al Horford can score, sure, but, you know, he's not like a legitimate yeah, yeah, yeah. threat. No, you're, but, you're right. Right, like, it depends on who's out there on the floor. So I think he's got a role. But I just goes back to the argument that the Yahoo's making about Ben Simmons. We're so enamored with guys who score. But is just having a guy out there who scores in volume making your team better? In a specific role, yes. All around, it depends. Like it, I think it really does depend. You know, but see, like I see, like there are times when I I hear what what Jay's saying that Neto just kind of calms the game oh, he's down. Your traditional, he controls the game. Right. You look a point guard on on, on definition, you'll see how old Neto well, in, in the definition. Way. But put it this way, he's like a almost. Better version of T.J. McConnell? He's absolutely. That's exactly what he is. Yeah. Right, and people loved when McConnell played. But now this guy's doing it, and they don't like when he plays. Oh, I, I do think that there is an obnoxious hate when he walks in the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no like, doubt. If he was T.J. McConnell getting those minutes, people would be like, yeah, hey, give those minutes to T. And now it's a different guy who you don't know as well who's a better player, and you don't like him out there. Well, to be fair, I, I, were people calling for T.J. McConnell in the playoffs legitimately? Yes! Like to like yes. to get way more minutes. They want him to start. Well, that's that's on another level of not understanding basketball. I'm just saying, but like, yes, the answer to the question is yes. People wanted T.J. McConnell to start. You remember he played against Boston. Well, yes, and you saw that one spark plug game, but it clearly wasn't a recipe for a success. If you were calling for T.J. McConnell to start in an NBA playoff game legitimately for a series, well, that's why they weren't winning. Because that's not enough. Well, talent. they won the game that he played. Okay, they won the one game. Right, exactly. How did that, but I'm how saying, did that... but yes, you asked the question if people want. Yes, they did. Well, that's and crazy. I'm saying Neto's a better player than McConnell is. I don't think Neto should be playing in playoffs. I don't think McConnell should be playing minutes in playoffs. I don't either. I agree with you there. Um, but I think you know to go back to the point is the eye test just says Burks is a better player. I, I don't know that that's really accurate. I mean, he's a better volume scorer. Levins is right about that. I think Neto is a, just a complete – he's a stabilizer. But I think sometimes changes – Changes the pace of the game. I, I do think that sometimes you need that volume shooter off the bench when if the offense is kind of stale, you need, like, one guy to go get you that bucket in the mid-range game and yes. to break somebody down. Like they scored 132 points last I, night. I'm with you, but I'm talking about those 10 minutes in playoff games. even, like, games. Neto, there are times where – he just takes the ball right to the basket and gets a quick layup. He did it twice in the fourth quarter last night. He just goes right, you know, if it's on his mind, hey, I'm just going to go right all the way down. I'm not even stopping. And, you know, he he has crafty little layups. I mean, he, like, picks and spots. 
uh, picks and chooses his spots when he's. But in the fourth quarter, he hit two layups. Yeah, th- this team's in trouble if we're having a conversation of how many minutes Howell Neto's getting in postseason play, though. That's what Shake Milton's agree. for. I would or that's agree. why Ben Are Simmons is. Are they limiting Ben Sim- uh, Shake Milton's minutes a little bit here? Uh, they shouldn't be. At this point, I think it's time to. Kind of get your rotation down. It's not time to test anymore. Really, it's not. You got to know it at this point. Yeah. There's six games left. You got to know it. It's hard, though, because a lot of these guys, this goes back to, they have all these guys that they just got. Burks, they just got. Robinson, they get. They just got. They both should be in the rotation. And they were trying to figure how to get them into the rotation when they got them from Golden State. They only had them for, what, four games? Give or take. Right. So you got to try to figure out. What's their role around Corkmaz, Stiebel, Mike Scott? Well, this is what it should be. Off the bench, right? You got Al Horford off the bench. There's six. Seven could be uh, Glenn Robinson Cork the third. Maz shot it well last night. Yeah, I know. He, ain't, he shouldn't be playing, but he will. Glenn Robinson the third, Alec Burks, and then nine is Matisse. There's your nine in an NBA playoff series. You got Al Horford off the bench as the sixth man, if you will. Glenn Robinson the third, Alec Burks, Matisse, Stiebel. Bang. That's my, that's my nine. That's my nine. Yeah. I don't think it'll go that way because I think Furcon's going to get run. Oh, Furcon's ahead of those guys. <laughs> he shouldn't yeah. be. He shouldn't be. Sports Bets brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Place your legal sports bets today. Sign up now. They'll match your. All right, good stuff from Jay Blevins. Follow him on Twitter at NBA. We'll be talking to him throughout the Sixers. And, of course, he covers the Sixers for 97.3 ESPN.com. It's a Tuesday with Thompson. Pete Thompson's back in the house. We got live sports. We got so much going on. Now, you and I were going back and forth on the PT. We got PGA Championship this weekend. But that's wrapped around Sixers, Flyers, Phillies. Where do you think PT's putting that on his rankings? I think it's got to go Flyers first on Saturday specifically and then PGA, right? You would think. It depends. Does that Flyers round-robin game have meeting? It's a, it, We don't know the time of that game yet either. Now, that PGA championship, I believe it's a late start. It's like a 4 o'clock in the afternooner. Well, it shouldn't matter because if they both lined up, it shouldn't matter if the game is important or not. It's Flyers hockey, all right? And PT's a hockey guy. He's a golf guy, too. Yeah, well, he should be a hockey You've guy first. You've never had to make this decision before. Well, he's a hockey guy first. I know he is. Actually, I mean, well, the PGA, would. Uh, the Masters is in April, so there's usually hockey on at that time. But PGA, hockey might be done by that time. Let's go. Let's find out. It's a Tuesday with Thompson. Pete Thompson joins us here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. So, PT, you got Flyers and golf on at the same time. Which one has the PT's attention? Let's go, Flyers. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. This is how much I'm a hockey guy first, and Hunter is absolutely right. When the they were playing last week at the FedEx St. Jude, which was a WGC event, so that usually attracts a bigger field, they were playing there, and I tried to, like, oh, it's Saturday, you know, let me turn this on. Or, or or whatever day this was the other and and I'm watching and I then look at the guide and there's the Rangers playing and I'm thinking but I could also watch my boy Quiddy and see how this game goes and that game to my surprise came out with such fire and intensity they even had a fight Jay Willie Justin Williams Ventner uh, has a house in Ventner right I mean he's he's, a, he's part of the listening audience usually at this time in the summer. And Justin Williams got in a fight. I'm like, this is way more fun than the golf. So, I mean, yeah, look, the round-robin stuff is 
doesn't have the same intensity as, say, the playoff games. You know, all you had to do was watch Nashville today and see the intensity in what's the playoff games. But to me, the hockey, 100%. I heard you the other day, Gil. Even you, you're like, I'm in. I'm hooked. I'm PT, in. you should watch. see him. Before the show started, we had on, what game was it where we were all... It was, oh, it was Panthers-Islanders, which is one of the most boring matchups that's going on in these series right now. And he's screaming at the defenseman to walk the blue line. <laughs> hey, walk the blue line here, guy. He's screaming, telling the defenseman what to do. I, I heard you say that the other day, Hunter, that you thought that that was the boring one, like of the different series. Like, look, naturally, I'm inclined to have more interest in the Eastern stuff than the Western. Like, I, I watched a little bit of Chicago. Oh, that's the other a day great with, series, PT. Yeah, in their first game, you know, uh, but but I don't have the same, you know, I, I'll see whoever comes out of the West, I'll see him out of the West. When, like, I'm not going to sit here and be such a puckhead that I'm going to say that I'm going to watch Calgary late. Oh, come on. You got I'm it, not. Johnny Gaudreau. We got a local. Min- no, no, Minnesota. I'm sorry. No disrespect to your friend. Minnesota, Vancouver. I'm not watching Minnesota, Vancouver. That starts at 1045 on USA. At that point, I'll just watch the score come in. But yeah, I, I was, you know, I was interested in the Florida Islanders game. I was interested in the Nashville Coyotes game, seeing Rick Tockett behind the bench. I mean, I, I'm into all that stuff. All right. Well, uh, see, I'm like he's giving me hockey games that are on tonight against NBA games on tonight. Now, some of these hockey games, like the only problem is these hockey games, they're playoff games between teams that aren't really playoff teams. Who cares? There's still playoff intensity in NBA games. Look, uh, we went to a not baseball Nashville. game last night. Not Nashville. We wa- we went to a base. Well, not Nashville, but I'm talking about. We went to a baseball game last night, and we were lit- monitoring both the Philly score on Twitter and monitoring a little bit of the Sixers. And I thought, if the Sixers are part of course, it's just going to come down to the end. And we literally walked back in the house to watch the last two minutes of the game, and I was completely satisfied with what I got to see out of the Sixers. I mean, I would have been pissed if they lost. And I'm sure your radio show today would have been completely different, but hey. You're doing, you're disrespecting basketball just a little bit. But I will say this, Gil. I'm sure when the Kings won the Cup, when they were the eighth seed, going into the playoffs, everyone was like, ah, I mean, they're not even really a playoff team. Then they win the Cup. In hockey, you can do that. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these non-playoff teams, if you will, make a run at this thing, you know? Because that's just how hockey works. I'm not doubting that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but that goes back to now, PT. What side were you on with the Vegas? You know that that year that they were, you know, the um, ec- that when they um, the uh, franchise they had yeah, the um, the first year in the league, yes. they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Did you think that was good? A good story, or were you kind of like, man, that kind of makes the league look bad, where a bunch of castoffs that nobody wanted goes and wins almost wins your whole league. I mean, I, I, I'm of the side that anything that grows the game is good for the game, and, and they chose wisely. It's the scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, did you choose wisely? No, you turned into dust. Okay, did you choose the cup wisely? Yes, they did. They made it all the way to the finals. I mean, look, that was just a smart expansion draft. Plus, they changed the rules a little bit. But, hey, you know, it, it all worked out. Was I Did I have that jealous uh, sibling rivalry of, like, why are they there and we're not? Yeah, I was a little ticked off about well, that. I just but that feel like there's teams from watching. No, well, I'm just saying the, the fact that you had a, a expansion team that 
just comes into your league after all these teams are building and growing and trying to win, and this team just gets put together that, and goes to the final. But that's like the beauty of sports. For example, let's throw in Miracle, right? I mean, here's two, Team USA, a team they just threw together, and they beat a bunch of Soviets who have been put together forever, and they've been the talk of the hockey town. That's the beauty of sports. That's what makes the story so great. You could do that so many times, and you won't get that run again. It just so happened that it happened this time. I don't know. Right. Vegas and is they, the one seed again. And they changed the rules. That don't one forget that. Stink. The whole league stinks over there, though. So it's not like they've been destroying everybody. They're just one by default. You know? Hmm. Well, it's interesting, though, because people view hockey funny. It's like we rip basketball because when the Cavs and the Warriors were going back every year, you could bet in Vegas that the matchup would be the NBA Finals would be Cavs-Warriors or the rest of the field. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So what type of regular season is that? While in hockey, you don't know who's going to win, but people argue, well, it's ridiculous that you don't know who's going to win in hockey because that means the regular season is somewhat not valuable because once you get in, it's a totally different season. I don't see it like that, though. I like the fact that there's parity in hockey. Here, here, sing it, Hunter. I don't even need to be a part of this segment. <laughs> well, it's Tuesdays with Thompson. What are you doing, PT? You, you watching hockey now? Yeah, how much no, of the hockey? How much of the hockey? How much of the hockey are you watching throughout the day? I mean, it's on at noon to midnight. Right. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. So, for example, Michael and I, my girlfriend's son and I, watched Yellowstone from Sunday night. Finally, that's been sitting in the DVR. It's one of the best shows on TV right now. It's in its fourth season. I mean, it's set in location out in Montana. I mean, the scenery alone, and we turn the base up on the sound bar uh, for the open. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So we, we had lunch. What's we this watched show that. called? The, the minute that got done, Yellowstone, it's on Paramount Network. Hmm. And the minute that we got done watching that, then we were like, oh, let's check into some of this hockey. And then just clicked right in, and we were both fine with that. And as you do in 2020, you have the hockey on, you're watching it. You'll look down at your phone, you look back up, the guy scores. Oh, let's watch the replay of this goal. Or, oh, that guy just went ass over bleep cups, you know, and you see the guy from the Rangers crash into the boards. Oh, yep, but now he's walking again, and they have a power play. I mean, you're into it. Look, I'm watching teams that are my teams because I'm into it. PT, I, I, actually, just, I, I actually just added – a third TV to the man cave. So now I have three TVs on the wall just because I'm so overwhelmed with all this hockey. Yeah, see, in Gil's world, he, he's going to chastise you for buying another television when really all you needed was another tablet or another phone. No, or another no, no. You, you, know, you need it on the wall. It's like it's like a sports bar. Picture a sports bar where that's my basement. You go in, you got the TV. I'm about to start charging my neighbors. I'll have a big sign in my front door. Yeah, 10 bucks. I'll bring you down some wings. There you go. You, you know what I mean? I'll just have a service down there. Masks required. Mass required. Uh, I, I'd like an invitation too, please. Sure. No, no. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, by the way, PT. So I finished Homeland, and it was excellent, wasn't it? Very good. Americans now I'm watching Designated Survivor on the, um, on the uh, Netflix. What is it? On oh Netflix? yeah, it's a Netflix show. Yep. Uh, yeah. It was from uh, Josh told me to watch that show. Recommendation well, started, from Josh. It, designated Survivor started as a show on ABC. And then ABC whacked it, and then Netflix picked it up, or somebody picked it up and put it on streaming and then actually added a couple seasons, which is good because, and a little weird, like when you get toward the end of it, not to give anything away, but because it's on Netflix, then all of a sudden it's not on ABC. They're cursing. They're actually, you know, it's it, it takes an entirely kind of 
different wow. tone. You know what? A I didn't bit, even but... notice that they had. There's no cursing in this show. That is correct. Yeah, I think yeah. that um, Kiefer Sutherland is too nice of a guy. Like he's he's thanking people. I mean, I guess it's so opposite of what we have right now uh, as the president. The role that Sutherland has, he is just thank you so much, sir. Thank you. He is just thanking everybody. I mean, it's it's like this guy's the nicest man in the world as the president of the United States. Which is probably closer to the real Kiefer Sutherland than Jack Bauer, which is what we all kind of want to see. You what's, know, uh, what's her Natasha? What's her name? Uh, uh, Natasha. Uh, it's his wife in the in the show. Oh, Henstridge, Natasha. Hen- she was in Truman Show. She yes. plays the one character that knows the secret and is. Yeah trying to break through and tell Truman it's all a TV show. Yeah, now she's believable as the first lady. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. And, and you know, uh, here's the fun little PT fact about Designated Survivor. When that show came on, I think the very first one, one of the very first shows, like maybe episode you know, two or episode three, he goes into basically the bunker, and they're like, all right, here's the situation. We've got a... You know, uh, uh, there's a nuclear silo near Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. I'm thinking, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska? Holy crap, that's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, the episode that I just finished, uh, when uh, the uh, FBI agents on the barge, they had her on the boat. The boat was off the coast of Atlantic City there, if you if you remember. I do remember that. I just can't believe that it got – it actually has three full seasons. I guess the first two were on ABC. The third season came on uh, Netflix. But um, yeah. I can't believe that it got three seasons because, you know, that's Maggie Q is the FBI agent. And- yeah. Every show she's ever been has failed. And by the way, if there, we had a stat boy, and that's usually Josh, um, it's Natasha Macalone. Henstridge was the girl that got naked in Species. Gotcha. Yes, I thought that you were saying her name wrong, but you usually know those things, so I wasn't going to correct you, but like you would do to me, but you were wrong. I knew you were. I'll, uh, I'll correct myself. Yep. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, Tuesday with Thompson. Uh, <laughs> you knew the Phils at all, or have you forgotten about them? I have not forgotten about them. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, the, the person where we were watching the baseball last night is a huge Yankees fan and old school, like DVRs the game and then goes home and watches well, it. Well, according sort to Gil, there's no such thing as real Yankees fans. or real Yankees fans are not real baseball fans, correct, Gil? Well, they have the DH. Right, so so. Being, a, being an American League fan is baseball for people who don't really like baseball. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll tell that person you said that. All I know is this, that the gentleman was born in 1950, I think. So, I mean, he's been around for the Yankees for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you, it's nice to be a Yankee fan. It's cute and everything, but you don't really like baseball if you like American League baseball. Okay. I, I fully, and I think I was there the day that, or I think I was listening the day that you developed that argument and thought, here, here, go, go get him. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Look, I'm all for poking the bear of people that are, fans of the 27-time world champion. I'm all for that. But, uh, you know, you call them what you want to call them. Uh, They were the better team last night. You know, look, I'm watching. I mean, so what I did was I DVR'd the game, and and like the person I'm talking about, I came home and watched it last night. Even though I knew the score, I watched it enough to look through the five innings that Arietta was in. And then, unfortunately, we have a bullpen, or at least they call it that, and then that was that. I just hit delete. I didn't have to keep playing. That's tough for me to do to know the score and go back and yeah. watch the game. It's I tough can't for me be to the do. DVR guy. I'm okay if I don't know the score. I can do it. If I know the score, it it, it hurts it, especially baseball. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I now you know why the person is so doesn't want to from the Yankees' perspective doesn't want to know what the score is because that ruins his 
process. You get updates on the phone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I can't be the guy. Like, I remember there's that Seinfeld episode when Jerry answers the phone. He's like, don't tell me the score of oh, the, the best game. game. I, I, yeah, 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 <laughs> the Mets game. <laughs> All right, funny. Tuesday with Thompson. The PT's here. PT, hope you're feeling better, man. I am, buddy. I'm doing really, really well, and uh, I miss you guys, and, you know, uh, hopefully I get to see you soon. Real respectable life, Peter. Absolutely. See <laughs> All right, there's Tuesday with Thompson. The PT's here. We got the five next. Listen to six or three. three ain't enough, man. I need five. Number five will always love you. I got five on it. Five times. Now, you think all right, five questions gets us out of here tonight on a Tuesday. Busy day tomorrow. Sixers president Chris Heck will join us before the Sixers play at four. Jason Fitz, Keith Smith as well. Speaking of Keith Smith, he just tweeted out that uh, Jimmy Butler not playing in Celtics heat game. Does that move your interest level now that he's not a part of the matchup tonight? Yeah, probably not. I still... Yeah, I still think it's a decent matchup to to tune into, but it definitely is a big loss. I mean, the entertainment value definitely goes down without Jimmy Butler. Yeah, it does. You know, without Jimmy Butler. All right. Uh, did you see Embiid's reaction to Shake Shot last night? Seemed very happy, really up going about it. I thought Embiid, like, you know, there was a time where I think Furkan got knocked to the tin, or maybe it was Neto, and then Embiid come running from the three-point line to help him up. I mean, he had, you know, he's in it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, would you ever try blueberry coffee? I went to Wawa today. I went blueberry coffee. Really good. Are you into, like, the, besides, like, the original blends, like, do you go out of the box a bit for different versions of coffee? I don't think a blueberry is pushing my pile. No? I don't think so. Okay. But, I mean, I'm not the pumpkin spice guy. I'm not really the pumpkin spice guy. What else is there? Well, they just come out with random flavors. Like, there's this one company that I I used to get up in Boston. They have white chocolate um, coffee. So they have, like, white chocolate coffee. They have mint chocolate chip. They have Snickers. They have, like, all these crazy different flavors. So I'm ordering a bunch of different versions to the hoose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've done the white chocolate. I'm, like, white chocolate mocha guy over at, uh, or salted caramel guy. That's a nice item. Yeah. Okay, so you do go out of the place over in Ocean City. I'll go and get a couple of uh, lattes that are nice and flavored. Ooh, okay. Sit down and have a latte for breakfast. (laughs) Latte Larry's. That's right. Latte Larry's. That would be great. No, I'm drinking this bulletproof coffee now. That's right. I keep forgetting about the... You know, it's funny. I was in, um, when I was at Hershey, I was at breakfast, and you were inside eating breakfast, which was odd. You know, you're kind of like, eh. But, so, the bulletproof coffee, you have the butter, and then you have the cinnamon. So, I asked the guy, hey, do you got butter and cinnamon for my coffee? And he looked at me, dude... This guy gonna shoot the place up too, dude. I was thinking that as soon as you said that, I'm thinking if I was in that in that guy's position, I don't know how I would. Re- I, mean, I might he, kick you guys out. He brought me a lard of of butter. Yeah, he was probably like, "How much does this guy need? Two sticks? Yep. A little cinnamon? Two sticks of butter? Can you imagine? That's what I would have given. I'm gonna give you three sticks." Um, so you went to the beach the other day. I think you said you were on the beach for about nine hours. Yep. Did anyone of uh, your party get insanely burnt? There's always that one person that doesn't reapply. Now, you know what's weird? So my girlfriend and I of the group are the two that don't bring the umbrella. Everybody oh, I'm, else, I'm anti-umbrella. Yeah, everybody else that came with us all bring. I said, my God, these people are screwing in the umbrellas. And, I mean, everybody. We had, there was one, there was four couples. We were the only one that didn't have umbrella. Well, you guys are the right people. Yeah. I mean, you don't go umbrella. The point of the beach is to be out in the sun. Yeah, so no no, uh, 
There's no. always that one person you know, that comes comes home and they're just beat red. That's usually me. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, we uh, no umbrella for us. Yeah, I'm anti. Uh, last ebook you listened to. I'd like to throw this in here, and I don't know if you re-upped from your last book. Uh, I did listen to one other book since I listened to the USFL book. I can't remember the title. Though. So it must have been good. It was good, but I, it was like one of these like. Um, Secrets of something or another. I don't know what the exact title was. But see, sometimes if you listen to it, like when you're in the car and, and you listen to it there, it doesn't feel like you're reading a book. You're no, just it doesn't. listening to a story. Podcast. Yeah, a podcast, a story. It doesn't have that book vibe. You know, call me Get Off My Lawn, but I like the old paperback. <laughs> you know? Paperback you, guy. You go paperback over hard. No, I like hardback more, but I need paper. I need the actual I need the actual thing in have my Have you hand. ever lived a life? Where the newspaper was a part of your routine? Not me personally, but growing up, that was my dad. I mean, when I, you know, when I was younger, I looked up into my dad, and he would be, give me the newspaper, you know, give me the sports section. That was a big part right. of my growing up. But by the time I was old enough to get involved I with mean, that, there was you more. had that under your arm in the deucer. I, I did have the Sports Illustrated magazines, so okay. that was where I was at. Growing up, I was always grabbing that Sports Illustrated. Yeah, like you ever, you know bring that newspaper with you and you have the pants down at your ankles and you're holding that well, paper well, with two hands baby yeah and then that, there used to always be magazines to the right of your of your toilet now it's like i can't go without my phone right, i mean that's exactly. just crazy you talk about shooting up the place with the butter that might be if you go to the bathroom without your phone i'm curious what you're doing how could you do that it's tough tough to do i think it's not even realistic it's impossible all right we'll do better tomorrow have a great night everybody I'm Mike, that's Broach. Josh Henning produced the show. South Jersey's favorite sports show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill, now has a podcast. You can listen to full episodes of your favorite segments, interviews, and more, like Football at Four, Ask Mike and Bros, and more, whenever you want, wherever you want. Miss that big interview or reaction to break?